Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gigging for Gold, a show about how to optimize your life as a freelancer so you can hit your first six-figure year. If you're new to the show, I'm Sonia Thorswick, and I'm excited to have you here. Hey, everyone out there. This is your host, Sonia Thorsvik, and welcome to the show about managing finances without an accountant when you're self-employed. Now, full disclaimer, this is not financial advice. This is purely educational. They make me say that. So most of you know that Americans in particular think it's inappropriate to talk about money. It's very taboo. But I would like to break down those barriers and change the conversation. Because what are we going to do when the money starts rolling in? Well, we're going to manage it appropriately. I have been managing my own funds for myself, well, for my whole life, but myself and my business going on 11 years now. So again, this is just some advice that I have for you. Take it or leave it. I'm going to walk you through how I track my income and expenses the bank accounts that I use, and then what order I put things in. So most people don't like talking about money because it becomes like too real. And as we all know, if you are partnered up, uh, money talks is one of the leading causes of divorce. So again, I can't stress enough that it's vital conversations to have with not only yourself, but if you're in a household with other people, with them as well. I think people often feel shame about their financial mistakes. I know I have in the past. Or you may feel that you aren't doing as well as other people. And that's such a big one. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know that the statistics of people actually hitting six figures is less than 6%. So if you think everyone's out there making all kinds of money, That is an incorrect thought. And I say that not to dissuade you from trying, but I'm trying to persuade you to try harder because I know you've got it in you. I didn't grow up in a household where we talked about that much money. Conversations weren't really had. um, And that's, you know, quite frankly, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So those conversations... I don't know. It's just not something that was openly talked about in my household. So as I became older, I became really, really obsessed with learning about it, reading the books, watching the episodes, listening to podcasts. I mean, I'm talking years and years of research because I just felt like there had to be a different way. And if I was going to have to learn it on my own because it wasn't taught in traditional school, well, then that's what I was going to do. I was going to learn about it as much as possible. So for me, I love the topic of money and finances. To me, it's absolutely fascinating. I don't think I would go as far as to say I would be an accountant in another life, but I just, I love it. Even if I don't like numbers, I still like the money part because I view money as a tool that's going to help me live out my dreams and like help me fulfill my goals and obviously let me travel and eat delicious food. Obviously, you can tell what my my values are. <laughs> so most people start off with this notion that because you're self-employed or a freelancer or a contractor, that because it's just you, it's just yourself, that 
you don't need to separate your personal finances and your business finances, right? Because everything's just kind of together. I, I definitely believe that year one of me running my marketing agency, that's what I did. I was just like, I, I'm, you know, I'm just going to start making money. And then if I do, I probably have to pay down debt or put it back into the business, right? I didn't, I didn't know the order of operation. So again, I didn't have everything separated the first year. And that did become not really a mistake, but just something I wish I had known sooner. So the lesson here is, it is vital to have your personal expenses and your business expenses separated as much as humanly possible. And this is so that once you start to master kind of your workflow of finances, or even if you've been in business for a few years and you're looking to revamp your own internal accounting systems, that it just like keeps you a little sane, right? A little less stressed out when it times uh, when it comes time to like talk about your money. And of course, manage your money. Here are a few of my golden rules, if you will, things to keep in mind about how I personally view money as a self-employed person. So taxes are a must. And again, this episode is probably geared more towards uh, the American uh, listenership. So taxes are a must, but there are definitely ways that you can lower them. So I'm okay paying taxes. No, I don't really want to pay taxes. But you know, depending on where you live, if you are driving on a nice road, or your trash comes to get picked up, or, you know, all the things that we pay taxes for, sometimes in my mind, I can justify them. I also keep in mind that and this is a big one for me, this is probably the biggest one, is that one day, <laughs> I would like to retire thank you very much. I would like to be financially free. I 100% know that when you're just starting out as a freelancer, or you just started your business, hell, even five, 10 years in, you don't think about the fact that you have to create your own retirement plan. I'm going to deep dive into that in a different episode. But there's plenty of research that you can do online right now. But that's something I keep in mind, right? Like the money that I'm making, a portion of that money has to go to my future self. I'm in a great spot now because I don't have any debt. I had a ton of debt at one point. I was up to $100,000 in debt. It was back in, in 2008. The recession hit. I'm in debt. I have um, grad school debt. I still had a little bit of undergrad debt left. And I know the feeling is crippling. So once you get out of the position where you don't have any debt, then it's time to start thinking about how you're going to save for your retirement, for your future self. And there's a few different ways that freelancers can do that. Also, I'm always keeping in the back of my mind that anything is up for negotiation, right? You can always negotiate for a better deal on things that you, you know, that you have to have in your life to either run your business or just just be alive in general. And then I'm also always ruthlessly cutting out expenses and services and subscriptions that I don't need. And this is particularly important if the money is fluctuating. Because as we know, sometimes our monthly uh, income is going to fluctuate. We all know that one. Another one of my golden rules is that if it's not making you money, 
Don't you dare go into debt over it. I know, I know that you're going to read all kinds of books and they say not all debt is bad. But I'm telling you from personal experience that particularly when you're trying to build up a company, going into more debt or debt in general for something that you might not need or you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses is ridiculous. There, I said it. For example, like my car, I'm like the I'm like a Warren Buffett with my car, right? He drives an old pickup truck, could care less because he spends his money on other things. I drive a car that's over 20 years old. I don't have any payments on it except for maintenance and upkeep. I love my car. I keep it nice and clean, right? It's like a safe, shiny zone. It has a little moonroof. It's so cute. But the point of this is, is that on average, the American spends over $600 a month on a car payment. And for me, while I'm trying to build up my company, investing money back into my company on things that's going to help my company grow, my car, for example, was not something that was going to help my company grow. So I'm not willing to go in debt over it. Okay. Another rule is along with that is that I'm very deliberate and intentional with my spending if it's going to make me money. For example, I talked about this in the last episode. I made the decision to buy a pretty expensive desk. Now, I don't have a desk currently because I've been moving all around. So I'm borrowing one right now and it's the wrong height for me and it's really just kind of ineffective. So I I made the conscious decision to spend money on a desk because that in my mind is going to help me build this business and make money. Also, when I decide to start doing uh, more video, that's going to be the tool that helps me with that as well. So I think it's a really good investment as long as it's quality and it's going to last you over five years. These are just personal. This is something that I had ingrained in my mind back in the day when I used to read Seventeen Magazine. This is where it comes from. I remember a quote distinctly about, I mean, I was probably like 14 years old, and they were like, drugstore makeup versus luxury makeup, right? Like I had any money to buy luxury makeup when I was 14. Did I even wear makeup at 14? I don't know. But they basically said that if it goes down the sink in two minutes or less, don't spend all your money on it. But if it stays, for example, on your face for eight hours, it's probably worth the splurge if you can afford it. So they're saying what that is, like if it's a face wash and all you're doing is splashing it on your face and it goes down the sink and you're on a budget, don't spend your luxury, you don't spend your, your money on something that's being washed down the sink. But for example, if it's a, a face cream or a serum or sunscreen that costs a little bit more, that's staying on you, that's doing something for your skin for a long enough time, for many, many hours, if you have the money, go ahead and spend it on that. So I just keep that in mind as a fun little example in my head when I'm trying to decide if I want to buy something or not. Here also, I have a $200 policy. So if I go, this is just for me and my companies, I'm like, if it costs less than $200, like go ahead and do it. If it's like a maybe, I'm like, well, if it's more than that, then I have these very simple rules in place where I'm like, you know, do I need it? Is it going to, again, make me money? Or is this just frivolous spending that 
you know, I hope it works out. So have some rules for yourself. That's a really good one. I, as self-employed people, we know that our money fluctuates every month. So it's very, very important to everyone. You need to check your money. I don't think that you need to check it every single day all the time and become obsessive and, you know, a little bit like crazy about it, but you do need to check in with your money. So if this is something, if you're, if you're at a stage in your life and you're listening to this and you're like, I'm just here for some tips, fast forward. But if you're one of the people that hasn't checked their bank accounts because you're afraid of what it might say, this part's definitely for you. So because money fluctuates, I like to think of money in percentages instead of dollar signs. This again makes it easier for me and is way less stressful. And then I also can adjust my lifestyle accordingly. So let's say I have $5,000 in profit this month. Instead of taking the fi- the like 4000 that I'm going to pay myself or realistically probably 2000 to pay myself, I say, you know, what's 30% of that? And then I'll, and then I pay myself. So I treat myself like an employee of my own company. And so once you have that set number in place, whether it's 50%, 30%, or even it's probably a lot less than that when you're just starting out because you're trying to pump money back into your company so you can grow a little faster, have the percentage set so that when the money does fluctuate, Instead of being like, oh my gosh, I can only afford, give myself $500 this month, you're still giving yourself that example 30%. Here, I'd also like to mention a book called Profit First. What a great book. This was recommended to me by a, a millionaire woman. And uh, she was like, if you do anything, read this one first. And I've, I've passed this along to a lot of entrepreneurs in the past, and it's really changed the game because this is something that's really important. We're, we're, We own our own business now, so we're making sure that we treat our business like a business. We don't treat our income that we make out of our business like fun, happy money. Yes, the money's happy. But we don't treat it like, ooh, look at all this money I got. You need to allocate those funds accordingly. And here's how I do that. So I make one spreadsheet with three different tabs on the bottom. If you guys don't like spreadsheets, you do whatever you want. But this is what I do. So I start off by knowing exactly to the cent what my expenses are, are both for my personal life and my business. And within that, it's like fixed expenses, right? Like recurring monthly expenses. Simply take out a piece of paper, a pen, a spreadsheet, and you go, okay, here's all my business expenses. For example, um your website CMS, the newsletter software that you use, if you have a virtual assistant or even staff, uh, the graphic design software, um, a portion of your of your mobile phone bill, right? And then the personal ones would be rent or your mortgage. For me, it's like small ones like workout apps, but I love them. They enhance my life. So I'm happy to pay for those. Food costs, um, entertainment, things like that. And so if you know how much everything costs in your business and your life, then the next steps of this become a lot easier. And I mean, guys, I mean, like really, really, really take note of how much everything costs you. If you need to sit down for an entire day, give yourself the permission and the gift 
of knowing how much you're spending. Simply log in, look at your credit card statements, and track every single thing. I can guarantee you, you're going to be surprised about how much you spend in certain categories. And then I hope that you can also find some subscriptions in there that you can just cancel and delete. Like, you know, everyone gives you those like free seven day trials and you forget to uh, unsubscribe. And then that's a reoccurring expense and you just don't need it. Then I make another tab for money flow. That's what I call it. Money flow. Because money flows into it. Love it. This is where I keep all of my income that's coming in from different clients. So all it is is just different rows of the client name. A top, the, the top across is every single month, right? January through December and then total at the end. So I'm like keeping track of how much everyone is paying me. And then also really, really important on here, I keep a column with their um, EIN number so that at the end of the year, if for whatever reason they forget to send you um, your paperwork on how much they've paid you, you have the EIN number and how much you have made, and so you can pay your taxes accordingly. I've had that happen to me before. I love it. Sof the software is like at tax time. They're like, if you haven't received your paperwork, you should call them. And you're like, yeah, no shit, but they didn't send it. So I, I'll, don't worry. I got it. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a great one. So this is bank accounts and none of these are ads or anything. This is just what I personally use. Again, we are separating everything, our business accounts and our personal accounts. For business and you need to open a business account, you have to have your own EIN number and you need to be in good standing with your state. So, you know, every month you have to pay to keep your business open. So you have to um, prove a few different things to open a business account. So with my business account, I also have a business credit card and I chose to do that with the Chase Inc. card. Um, and any credit card that I have is specifically because I get amazing travel points for it. Like travel reward points are my thing and I love them. And I travel hack the crap all over the world. <laughs> so much fun. So I have the Chase Inc. for that in my personal bank account. It's a checking account. And then I also have two different credit cards. So again, this is just education that you can take with you. I have the two different accounts with one's an airline and then one is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. So all three of my credit cards can all work together. I can share points back and forth between them and really get the most out of uh, each one for the travel hacking. Then I have a savings account, savings, a few savings accounts through Barclays Bank because they have a pretty high interest rate. So if I were you, I would shop around for a place to park some of your money. Within that high interest savings account, I have a, an emergency fund, which is stocked for six months. And I don't recommend that you start investing until your emergency fund is fully stocked. Like focus on get, getting rid of your uh, consumer debt and then building an emergency fund and then investing for your future. I also have in there a, an account for a tax holding. I just call it tax hold. And so we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Then I have three other accounts. I have a travel account, of course, because traveling is a priority for me. 
you can have a, a priority account for whatever makes you happy in life. Then I have one for a big expense. So if I do need to buy a car down the road, like once this one goes to, you know, the junkyard, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't, I would buy a car in cash. Or if I want to buy a house or something like this. And then I have in there, people would call it like a rainy day fund, but I just call it like life. And that would include everything from, you know, you know the holidays are going to happen and you want to buy gifts. So that's in there. And then like you're always invited to a wedding. Or, and this one too, is I have enough money in there to cover a bigger expense like a new computer if I need one. So yes, that is a business write-off. But in there, I know like if your computer starts to slow down and it's, you know, the wheel of death, Mac users, if the wheel of death is going on, then I think that you should be prepared to buy a new computer down the road. Number one, great. It's a new computer. Two, your other one probably lasted you a few years, if not more. I'm known for like destroying computers. I use them so much. So I know like every two years, I buy another computer. Yes, I've tried to refurbish them. I've tried all the stuff. Doesn't work. Still, nothing can stop me from destroying a computer. All right, so those are the bank accounts that I have, my thought processes around money. And here we're going to take a little break, grab a coffee, sip of water, and I'll see you in a minute. What if I told you that creating email newsletters could be as easy as posting to social media? Don't believe me? Let's blow your mind, shall we? Before Flowdesk, I used everything under the sun, both for myself and for clients all around the world. You know the names. I was referred to Flowdesk by another amazing entrepreneur. So, if you're reading this now, just know that not too long ago, I was in the same place as you, looking for a platform that was visually stunning, easy to navigate, had flow prompts for me to follow for sending out high-converting series versus just another average and quite frankly not pretty template to use. Flowdesk was founded by two female creatives who saw a gap in a much needed space. If you go to the show notes and click on my link, you're going to receive 50% off of your first year when you sign up. Simply enter code GOLD50 at checkout and get your first year of Flowdesk for 50% off. Enjoy. I asked you listeners on Facebook and Instagram what you would like to hear about. And of course, finances were at the very, very top of the list. So here we are. And then a sub-question of that was, what order do you save your money in? Like, what happens when the money comes in? So this is the exact method I've been using for the past 10 years as someone who has a service-based business. If you have a product business, this will be a little bit different, but still I think you can have some takeaways from this too. So personally, I invoice my clients on the first of every month and that's it. I have a recurring fee every single month for my services in exchange for a set number of deliverables and the agreed upon amount is invoiced on the first of every single month. I have done this since day one. I think it creates this type of rhythm and routine 
and really great relationship between myself and my clients because they know that that invoice is coming and it's exactly the same every single time. So that's another tip for you too. So what when I say that is because they get a 15-day window to pay the invoice. So I know around the 20th of the month that not only has that invoice been paid, but it's then available in the accounts, right? Because just because they pay the invoice, then maybe that invoicing software needs to then transfer it to an account. If it's a weekend, it's a whole thing. So I say around the 20th is a safe zone number. So having said that, around the 20th, I then go in and start allocating my money to various places within those accounts I just talked about. Um, if you have like steady contracts, so if you have a contract that's like six months or a year, some of this can be automated, but I still like I like to check in on my money. So mine goes something like this. So my invoices get paid to my business banking account. Very important. And if you haven't considered the business banking account, not only is it going to help you, again, separate your finances, but you look so much more professional. It's not like, hey, send it to my Gmail with my PDF. I mean, yes, I used to do that. But now you have a business banking account and it's all set up and you look, well, you look official and more professional. So then I keep in that business banking account how much my business will cost to operate. And I know my fixed costs from my spreadsheets that we talked about earlier. So I know how much is coming in and I know how much the reoccurring expenses are going to cost in my business. And so I just keep that in that account and then all the softwares that are hooked up to um, go to my business credit card, get charged, and then I pay my credit card out of the business banking account. It seems very, very logical, but for a lot of people, those extra steps, this is when people just go, oh, I'll just keep everything in my old checking account that I opened up when I was like 13 years old because it's just me running my business. So when I make the money and my business makes the money, it's really just me making the money. But again, we are going to treat our business like a business so that when bigger clients and contracts come in or however you're making your money, you are set up to scale. Love it. Okay, then I put 20, at this point, 20 to 25% into um, my tax hold savings account, right? And because we pay our taxes quarterly, it gets emptied every quarter. Here, I would check with your bank account because some um, checking or savings, because some of the accounts will say, hey, you have to keep a minimum of 500 bucks in the account. Uh, and if you don't, then we're going to hit you with a fee. So just check and make sure that you keep however much money you need in there. Hopefully it can be like 20 bucks. Um, but I put X amount of percentage in the tax hold. And then when I pay my quarterly taxes, the money's there and I don't have to stress out about it. And um, the tax brackets are here, I would say the tax brackets are higher, but because we use I use different methods to lower my tax bill, essentially, uh, that's why the numbers can be a little bit lower. So then the third one is I pay myself a salary. So I take from my business banking account and I transfer my salary for Sonia because I'm such a hard worker and I'm an employee of the month every single month. <laughs> 
I transfer that money into my personal regular checking account based off of my lifestyle expenses, which we talked about are your reoccurring like rent, mortgage, food, things like this. And here is where you can also do the percentage rule or the uh, dollar sign rule, right? So you can say, it doesn't matter how much my, my, um, I'm paying myself, I'm just going to pay myself 30% of whatever I make. Obviously, that needs to cover your recurring expenses. Instead of saying, okay, I have to have, you know, 10 grand in that account every month. Okay, then here, and this is because I already have paid off all of my debt and I already have a fully stocked emergency fund. So here comes where I put money into my investment accounts. Now, as someone who is part of the FIRE revolution, financial independence retire early, if you haven't heard of it, I would check it out. If you have any hopes of retiring ever in your life. <laughs> so here I'm pretty aggressive and I'd say I put 30 to 40% of my profit, keyword profit, into different retirement vehicles. Here I also do, I have a Roth IRA account and um, I put the full amount in it at the beginning of the year so that it can compound um, as much as possible throughout the year. And I wanna tell you a quick story. So right now, in, in 2022, you could contribute 6,000, 2023, it's 6,500 into a Roth IRA. Now, this past year, I contributed that money January of 2022. But throughout the year, because our because our income fluctuates, I had no idea how much money I was going to make. This is literally happening today. Like I was on the phone with my brokerage accounts today. I made too much money in 2022, amazing problem to have, to contribute any money to my Roth IRA. So I, I made over the limit to contribute anything. So now I'm going through the process of removing those funds. And it pisses me off to no end because now I don't get to, I don't get any of that and I have to pay more taxes. Anyway, so it's stuff to keep in mind. But I will say here, it's why I talk about being very detailed with the spreadsheets. And again, we'll go into uh, accounting software in one second. But you keep such detailed records and tracks of your money that when things like this happen and show up, you're like... Okay, well, I know how much I contributed and I know what date I did that on. So the paperwork becomes a lot easier. Here I'd also say, if you guys are already well into this and you are like, this is not for me, I need an accountant, feel free. But this is for, this is education for people that are accountant-less. <laughs> so um, after I put the money in the Roth IRA, I'm so mad about making more money. And also note here, this is why some people just choose to just not work any harder because they're like, I'm not going to work any harder if I stop getting all these benefits because being self-employed sucks enough sometimes. Now I'm getting penalized for making more money. Ay, 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 ay. Okay, then <laughs> the money goes into a solo 401k and then into my regular brokerage account. If you guys ever read anything by Financial Samurai, I own his new book. I'm an avid listener to the podcast, um, big supporter of his newsletter. He likes to say that if you're going to have any chance at retiring early, you should have triple the amount in your brokerage account than you do in like in the accounts that you can't touch until you're 67 or 72, whatever the age is now, 
right? So you want to be able to access some of your money. So you need to diversify where your retirement money goes. So at this point, I have three different accounts. And then I also am trying out Fundrise where I have a little bit of money in it. And that's... Um, what would you call it? It's it's real estate, but it's an app where they buy property all over the place and you like you're getting a portion of of these as well. So I'm trying to diversify, seeing what's working for me, seeing what I can stomach. Um, you know, we all took a pretty big hit last year, so we're hoping that like comes in the green this year. That'd be nice. <laughs> and then any leftover, if there's anything left over at all, which um there shouldn't be too much left over. So if you guys are good at planning your money out, but it, but let's say you have a really nice month, that's when that leftover money goes into those high interest savings accounts. And again, I already have some things funded, so I'm able to put more money into, um, for example, like the one, like the high ticket item where I'm like, hey, I might need a, a new car one day. Car, if you're listening to this, I love you. Don't break down anytime soon. Right, but that's something where you're like, okay, I know that this is gonna help me in the future, so I'm okay saving that money. And then it's your job now to do the research. If you have extra funds, you say, do I put this away in, a, in the stock market? Or do I save it in a savings account? So I think that savings account has like a three point, sorry if I'm wrong here, around a 3.5 interest rate. So at least the money is kind of earning some rather than just sitting in a bank account doing nothing. Oh, I also invest in um, iShares. So you can do um, iShares through the government. And if you want to do bonds, you can do that as well. I did some of those last year and then just like to see how that felt. So that was pretty fun. I like doing that. Might do that again this year. And then um, lastly, if there's any extra extra money, you know what? I treat myself to something nice. Thank you very much. Okay? I have paid for my past. I am currently financially able to take care of myself. I am planning for my future, right? Uh, we are independent contractors, keyword independent. So I am trying very hard to take care of myself for my future self as well. But I also want to remind you guys to live a little. So what I like to do is if I have a business anniversary coming up, because as you know, businesses close left and right all day long. I am very proud of that. And I will treat myself to something nice. Sparkly piece of jewelry coming right up for Sonia. Thank you. Now, the last part of this is what software do I use? Someone asked this for accounting to make your lives a billion times easier. And again, not an ad. I use QuickBooks Self-Employed. I have used QuickBooks Self-Employed for about eight years now, and I love it. They have a desktop version and an app on your phone, so it's very easy. So this is a little bit less intense version of QuickBooks, um, and it also costs a little bit less. I think the reoccurring price right now is just under $27 a month, so not too bad. But for the amount of time and energy and stress and headache that it saves you, it's worth, you know, quadruple that price. So I love that here, we talked about the bank accounts before. So all the various bank accounts, all you do is you create an account with them and then you sync those accounts. And so what it does is because it's already specifically designed for self-employed people, 
it brings in everything that you spend that month and then it will show you a list of of categories or you can pick the category that you're going to put every single thing that you spent in they're called transactions so you categorize a transaction and it will basically start showing you your um your income your profit and your business expenses so that you can start taking care of your quarterly taxes. So you're knowing how much you're bringing in and you can split it between personal and business. And for this, even though I have everything split for business and personal, yes, I still bring in the personal items to QuickBooks because I just categorize that as personal. And then that makes me more mm, stronger in my opinion about how much my lifestyle is costing me and I know how much to transfer into my personal bank accounts. So essentially it's just another way to do um, tracking. And then two other reasons why I love it is that you can also track your mileage in here. So uh, you can either track your mileage from the beginning of the year and the end and then you say here's the percentage of how much I drove for work so you can get all that awesome tax deduction on your mileage. Um, and then when you're ready, it'll tell you how much you, you owe for your quarterly taxes, which is amazing. And then when you're ready, it can import everything into TurboTax for you. And then you just kind of do like the, the maintenance double, triple check work. So self-employed, um, QuickBooks self-employed is what I would use, is what I do use and highly recommend. It really, really is just amazing. I just had two people sign up for it the other day in my own house in my own, uh, excuse me, in my own family. And they were like, well, well, this is easier. Um, and then also within it, it can do invoicing for you. So if you're looking for a solution like that, I would just like to tell you that I love it. And QuickBooks, would you like to be a sponsor of this podcast? <laughs> so that's it, guys. I hope that this past, what, 45 minutes, you learned something. If nothing else, you can understand that there are a lot of different things that you need to look at and be aware of and please know that the word money and finance and expenses does not necessarily need to be a bad thing if you are willing to take the time to make sure you know how much your lifestyle and your business are costing you if you're willing to negotiate better prices for yourself and if you're willing to cut out everything that isn't making you money uh I hope you have a great day and good luck with this year's tax season. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'm Sonia Thorsvik and I am obsessed with increasing your odds of success. I started my own entrepreneurial career in 2012 scaling up from making $0 a year to over $100,000 each and every year. And I firmly and wholeheartedly believe that there are ways for all of us self-employed freelancers to reach six figures and beyond. And I am unapologetically here to show you how to do it so you can make your next best move. If you have an entrepreneur in your life who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And I'll talk to you next time. Let's go.